Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads, their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of the making of many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Good morning, everyone. It's a great privilege to be here this morning, and it really is to share fellowship with each of you. Uh, would you join with me as we come before the Lord? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, that you are the King of Kings is awesome but that you would call us your friends is astounding. You are our friend in heaven, and today, Lord Jesus, we need you more than ever. We thank you that you never cast us off, never forsake us, never leave us. But as we pour out our hearts to you, you come to our aid with such love and grace. Please be our friend today, Lord Jesus that what we hear from your word would not be like one who looks to a mirror and goes away and forgets. But may your word penetrate the depths of our hearts, that it may prepare us for glory, fill us with joy, and deepen in our faith in you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I've conducted well over 150 funerals, uh, which for a minister probably isn't that many, uh, but there's one funeral that stands out from all of them. 
Uh, her name was Connie Eaton. Uh, Connie suffered a lot more than most of us. Uh, due to an operation that went wrong, she became a paraplegic. And this happened at a time in life when her mobility was most needed, uh, when raising her four children with her husband, Terry. Uh, I remember at the funeral watching her pictorial eulogy, you know, where the pictures all come up on the screen. And while I was watching her, her pictorial eulogy, I, we saw a woman who suffered very gracefully, uh, a woman who loved those around her and, in fact, did whatever was necessary to care for those whom she came across. Connie really was a model of selflessness. I think her capacity to love far exceeded many people that I know. Uh, to give you an example of this, she even wrote birthday cards for her grandchildren years after for them to open after her death. Uh, what we didn't see was a woman who acted angrily holding her fist up to God and saying, you know, why me? We didn't see a woman who was filled with self-pity. There wasn't bitterness. There was no guile, no resentment, no hostility either towards God or others. And during that pictorial eulogy, I thought to myself... What does all this mean if at the end of the day we die? What does all of Connie's goodness and love and gracefulness matter if at the end of the day Connie is dead? In two generations, Connie, and for that matter all of us here, we will not be remembered. See, I think death raises many questions, but the one that I think causes us the most angst is the question of meaning. What does life mean if at the end of the day I die? Now, our questions about death are not new. Over 3,000 years ago, there was a man who lived and described as the wisest man who ever lived. His name was Solomon. Solomon was a king. He was a statesman. He was an author. He was a composer. He was a poet. He was an architect. He was a scientist. He was a political reformer, a military mastermind, and a sage. No man matched Solomon's wisdom either before him or after him. And Solomon wrote a book in the Bible that we heard read today called Ecclesiastes. And in this book, Solomon, he wrestles with the problem of death. Right? He makes the astute observation that death makes it impossible to find meaning in the things of this world. Now, he should know because in his pursuit for meaning, he denied himself nothing. Right? He denied himself no pleasure. He undertook all these great projects. He acquired huge farms. He amassed gold and silver. He brought for himself personal musicians. He established a harem for, a harem for himself. 
Right? Listen to his conclusion I'm going to read to you. This is from chapter 2 in Ecclesiastes, verse 17b and following. This is what he says after he's done all this. All of it's meaninglessness. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I hated all the things that I toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. See, death is a reason why Solomon did not find meaning in his work, achievements or pleasure. He's saying, at the end of the day, I'm going to die and I've got to leave it to someone else. What's the point? He then seeks meaning in wisdom. Now, most certainly he sees that wisdom is better than foolishness, no doubt. But the conclusion he comes to is very surprising. I'm going to read to you from chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 in Ecclesiastes. Solomon says, The wise have eyes in their heads, while the fool walks in darkness. But I came to realise that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, The fate of a fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, This too is meaningless. And again, what's the reason for why Solomon doesn't find meaning in wisdom? It's death. Both are wise and the fool dies. And Solomon goes on throughout Ecclesiastes to observe that it's no use trying to find meaning in money or your possessions. In chapter 5, verse 15, he says this, Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil, and they can carry nothing in their hands. And again, death is a reason why Solomon says meaning is not found in your money, in your possessions, or anything of this earthly world, because death cuts you off from them. Now, don't hear me wrong. He's not saying those things are bad. What he's saying is he doesn't find meaning in them. And throughout Ecclesiastes, I don't have time now, but he goes on and he says, meaning's not found in your children. It's not found in youth. It's not found in wickedness. It's not found in your reputation. It's not found in drunkenness or houses or possessions. Death, Solomon argues, makes it impossible to find meaning in the things of this world. Why is this the case? Solomon tells us in chapter 3, verse 11, he says this, He, that is God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. At the heart of our being, God has set us up to live forever. God made everything beautiful in its time and he intended us to enjoy him and his creation forever. See, this means that death is an enemy for our God-given desire to live and enjoy the things of this world forever. Why does death feel so wrong? Why do we grieve? Because we weren't made to die. The reason why we grieve is we're not made for endings. Just the thought of losing everything you have and everything you love surely grieves your heart. Does mine. 
And I would argue that if God did not set eternity in our hearts, then death would be a natural part of our life. I imagine we would find meaning in the things of this world. If we were made for endings, we would embrace them. But God has set eternity in our hearts and we're not made for endings. So what's the solution? Solomon's search for meaning took him from the temporary things of this world to the eternal. In the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon concludes, death will be unravelled. Our spirits will return to God and he will be our judge. Just let me reread to you a couple of those verses that Graham read out for us that affirms this. He says, remember him, that is remember God, before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of a matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. See, according to Solomon, not only is there life beyond the grave, not only do our spirits return to God, but there is judgment He's saying that one day, beyond the grave, God will judge everything we have done, whether it's good or bad. This is a profound revelation from Solomon because what he's saying is that everything we do now matters for eternity. So if God will bring everything into judgment, that means every thought Every word, every action, every affection of our heart matters for eternity. Solomon is telling us that meaning is not found in temporary things but in eternal realities. Death has been unravelled, he says. There is life beyond the grave and God is there and he is our judge. So you see, when Solomon searches for meaning in life... He looks to the temporary things in this world, but he discovered that death makes it impossible to find meaning in the things of this world. It's not that those things aren't enjoyable or good, it's just that there's no meaning in them. Why? Because God has set eternity in our hearts. We're not made for endings. So then Solomon looks to the eternal realities and he concludes that living life in a light of these realities gives meaning to life now. That's what he's saying. Meaning is found when we understand that our life is to be lived in light of what is to come. Now, while Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived, the New Testament tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God himself. He is wisdom personified. And the wonderful news I have to bring to you today is that the wisdom that Solomon taught and proclaimed in Ecclesiastes, it's the Lord Jesus who makes it possible for us to experience. 
See, if Solomon is teaching that meaning in this life is found when we live our lives in the light of eternal realities, then it's the Lord Jesus Christ who makes it possible for us to do this. It's wonderful news. Let me give you an example. How is it possible for us to think, speak, act, feel in a way that pleases God as the living judge? Through Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom from God. See, in John chapter 15, Jesus is described as the vine and we are the branches. Everything that the vine is for the branch, Christ is for us. And we're told that whoever by faith remains in Christ, our true vine, God produces in that person good, abundant and eternal fruitfulness. Fruit, that Jesus says, will last. Godliness, holiness, repentance, righteousness, faith, love. See, the Lord Jesus Christ makes it possible to live out the wisdom that Solomon's proclaiming. For example, how can any of us remember God? It's through Christ. How can we who are imperfect stand before the perfect judge and not be condemned? Through Christ. How can we live a life that pleases God our judge? Through Christ, who our wisdom, who is our wisdom from God. If you are a Christian this morning and you are facing the possibility of a life-limiting illness, then you take heart because death does not render your life meaningless. Yes, you will meet God as your judge, yet through Christ you will not be condemned. You are in Christ and he is in you. Rejoice, brother and sister, not that you are at peace with God, but that God is at peace with you. And remember that through Christ Jesus, every godly act you did, through the power of the Spirit, every caring word you spoke, every godly affection you felt, matters for eternity. Earlier this year, I received a phone call from a research company. Have you had any of those phone calls? And they wanted to know about my future financial transactions. I always love to talk to them. And the lady from a research company said to me, am I more likely to invest in shares, property or interest-bearing accounts? Then she said something that no one has ever said to me on a research company. She said, please, you must be honest. I said, okay. My most likely future investment is in the kingdom of heaven. She said to me, I haven't heard of that investment. <laughs> so I explained to her that one day I'm going to meet God and be in heaven. And I want the things I invest on this world to give me an eternal dividend, dividend such as helping the poor, supporting missionaries, helping the church. She then said to me, there's no option for this in the survey. And she said, I told you to choose one of the options that I've given you. Then I said to her, but you told me to be honest. <laughs> Unfortunately, I couldn't continue on the survey. 
If today you are suffering the struggle of a life-limiting illness, please remember that in response to the grace that you have received in Christ, every time you have obeyed God, every time you have given of your time to help your neighbour, every time you have given your wealth to help the poor, you are investing in the kingdom of heaven in eternity. Through God's grace alone, but every time you use your gifts to build up God's people or advance God's kingdom in the world, you are investing in eternal things. There is a divine dividend awaiting for you. And again, this is all on account of God's generosity or mercy, not not according to what we've done. My sisters and brothers, death has been unravelled. God is there. He is our judge. And through Christ... He enables us now to live a life in such a way that everything we do matters for eternity. That's where our meaning's found. That's what gives meaning to life. Coming back to uh, Connie's funeral, death did not render her life meaningless because all of her love and good works mattered most certainly in this world but also in all eternity. It's true, in two generations' time, Connie and indeed all of us here, none of us are going to be remembered on earth. None of us. But death has been unravelled. We will be with the Lord forever. And how we live will be remembered by him. And that's what matters. Do you realise, my sisters and brothers, everything you do now in life matters for eternity? And while, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, while all of our good works are filled with imperfections, through the Lord Jesus Christ, they're made acceptable to God the Father. So if today you are mourning and grieving the loss of your Christian loved ones, take heart. Death has not rendered their life meaningless. Yes, death separates you from them, But every godly and loving act that you experience through them matters for eternity. Every godly and good work they did through Christ, God will bring to account and they will receive God's eternal reward. And every sin and failure they committed, that will not be held against them because there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Yes, their bodies will return to dust but their souls are in the presence of Christ, awaiting the glory of resurrection life and their eternal reward. Earlier this year, I attended a funeral held in the chapel in the middle of a cemetery. I'm not sure if you've been to Car Villa. There's a chapel up there. To get to the chapel, you have to drive past hundreds of graves. Uh, It's a very sobering experience if if you haven't done it. When I arrived at the chapel, there were only a few people there because I was early. So to fill in some time, I walked around, the, the, there's a rose garden, and, and I noticed you know, plaques there inscribed with the names of those who had died and often messages of love from their families. When it was time to enter into the chapel, right before me was the coffin of my friend who died. And then we sat down. The funeral service began. 
And the person who led the funeral very warmly and graciously welcomed all of us. Then he said these words. Today, we are not going to talk about death or that side of things. And I thought, why aren't we going to talk about death? Death was all around us. It was right in front of us. Well, we were sitting in the middle of a cemetery. Our desire to avoid the reality of death runs very, very deep. And the reason being is death confronts us with a reality that everyone will lose everything. And that makes us ask questions of meaning. And it can often leave us with a feeling of despair. For we, want, for we know that one day, death will cut us off from everything we love in this world and everything we have. But the message of the gospel is take heart. Look to God. Because while death awaits you, there is an eternity to come. And friends, call upon God to ready you for that day because the way he readies us is through his wisdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And more than that, through Christ, everything we do now matters for eternity. And that's what makes life meaningful today. Let me lead you in prayer. Father, we are so thankful today for every gift you give to us. We think of our daily needs. Father, we think of your ever-present help in our troubles. We're so thankful, Father, for your abiding presence that comforts us. And indeed, the gifts of grace upon our life are unending. But truly today, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you make our lives meaningful that we have a reason to get out of bed every morning, that we know that everything we do matters for eternity and in Christ our works can be made effective and good. How wonderful you are to bless us with such life. Father, our prayer today is help us to, to remember this. Help us to remember death, that it's been unravelled that you are our judge and that in Christ we can know life and meaning. Father, lead us, we pray, each day with a deeper faith in Christ, a deeper holiness of life and a deeper repentance that on that day we see you, we'll be ready for our reward by your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.